0: This is Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, it's Julie from Dogcast Radio, welcoming you to Dogcast Radio episode 263, which is all about amazing dogs. You can find this and all our podcasts, as well as many other resources, at dogcastradio.com. All dogs are amazing, but some are extra amazing. Later, we'll be hearing about one amazing dog who's half of an unusual duo who are going to be part of the UK team at the Paragility World Championships later this year.
1: This is a papillon. <laughs> I love it. It's a papillon. A, butterfly a dog. Yes. Apparently a, a, a sort of dainty lap dog. Well, for a start, that's where the mould sort of broke with Aaron. He just relishes any work. Whatever yes. you want to do with him, he's always ready to go and do it.
0: The best of luck to them. Their story in full coming up later. But first, you'll know, you'll certainly know if you're a long time listener of Dogcast Radio, that blind dogs and deaf dogs can still live a happy full life and be trained. But what about dogs who are deaf and blind? What's the situation there? I saw a Facebook post by Deb Bauer and it really brought me up short and gave me so much food for thought that I had to talk to Deb about her life with her dogs, many of whom are double Merle's and are deaf and blind. Merle is that beautiful mottled colouring, usually in a collie, but it can also affect Australian shepherds, miniature American shepherds, Shetland sheepdogs, Dachshunds, Cardigan Welsh corgis, Pyrenean shepherds, Great Danes and more. The danger comes when a Merle dog is mated to another Merle dog, creating a double Merle. Here's Deb to explain more about the Merle gene and how she lives with and loves her deaf blind dogs. What sparked this for me was I saw your um, Facebook post. And, and just thought, wow, what a great attitude. I want to talk to you about this. And so I'm going to just read it for people. Um, it's about your, your puppy delight, who I know is, is there with you now. Um, and you wrote, this sweet girl has been raised knowing that I will respond when she asks for something. While some people think this might result in her being a pest and becoming demanding, it actually has not. She's content and self-confident. She feels comfortable expressing her needs and I help her to learn appropriate ways to do that. She wanted a nap, but was having a hard time settling down, which can be common for adolescent puppies. She came and asked me to pick her up. She knew a cuddle would make her feel better. A bit of tea touch helped remind her that we don't mouth my hands when we're tired and helped her relax. She fell asleep on my shoulder, which made it hard to take a picture. There is a picture. It's it's gorgeous. I held her for a bit and then uh, set her down in her bed where she snuggled in for a nap. Wow. I mean, there's so much in that, but I love that. What a great attitude.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I, I think that I was led to make the post because there are so many people that would have judged that. Yes. In yeah. some way, and maybe told me that I should have ignored her or made her sit before I picked her up or, you know, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I love that because, you know, I, as an ordinary owner who with no qualifications, no, no, um you know, not very much knowledge behind me kind of thing. I have those instincts that I want to comfort my dog. I want to be there for them, pick them up, you know, give them that reassurance. And because I've seen posts, exactly what you're talking about, the comments are going, don't do that, don't comfort them, don't pick them up. And I kind of go, ooh, and I hesitate and I pull back. So it's lovely that, you know, you know, what you're doing and and you're saying no you can it's fine you can cover that and it doesn't you're not making a rod for your own back kind of thing it's wonderful
2: yeah thank you I, I feel like I have a responsibility as a dog professional yes to help people kind of come back to some kind of actual relationship with their dogs I think in dog training things have sort of it's like a pendulum you know, it yes. started when I started training a long time ago. It was very much we are the boss and we tell the dog what to do and the dog does it. And there's no questions asked. And, uh, you know, we heard a lot of this. If you pet them when they want to be pet, you know, they're going to get the upper paw, so to speak. <laughs> and, yes. you know, one day they're going to be ruling the world. And, and then sort of the pendulum swings to the other side and everything is very permissive. and. You know, dogs can can do whatever they want. And while that's very nice in our society, we can't let that happen, really.
0: Yeah, there need yeah. to
2: be boundaries. But when we come back to the middle, it sort of reminds me of when I was a child with my dog. And there was just a connection and a communication and a relationship. And yeah. we just wanted to spend time together and have fun and, yeah, you know, all of those those wonderful things. Yeah. And, um, and I think that we need to be remembering that Definitely. why do we have a dog in our life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you, you used the word relationship quite a few times. And I, I really like that because we forget that at our peril, that we have a relationship with our dogs. You know, they're not only an animal object that we brought into the house that we can turn on, do something with, turn off and sort of put away. They're, they're there all the time. We have a a duty of care to them. We, we love them, hopefully, you know, and we want to make life as, as good as possible. And it is a relationship. And. There's not many relationships that I would stay in if the other person was sort of saying, no, i not now, or, you know, or with no negotiation in. But I would I would go, I'm going to stay in this relationship, even though there's nothing on my terms and nothing is ever given to me. And, and you know, yes, there are times when we need to be able to say, oh, come here or do this for their own safety. But it can't be just a dictatorship all the time, can it? You've got to build that, well, that word again, relationship with them.
2: <laughs> yes. And what fun is it? What fun is it to have a dog if you don't have that Yeah. That connection and that communication? And, you know, communication is really important with me and Delight. She is blind and deaf from birth.
0: Yes, yeah.
2: And I want her to know when she needs something, when she comes and asks me for something that I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. In the same way that when I ask her to do something, you know, I want us to have that connection so that she will respond to me as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now I was going to come to that because that's the other thing that really blew my mind and kind of made me go, hang on, hang on. <laughs> as you say, she's blind and deaf. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I've, I've talked to owners of, of deaf dogs, of blind dogs, and I know that they can still live, you know, great lives and they can, they can be trained and they can, you know, do a lot of, well, most of the things a, a, a sighted or, or a hearing dog can do. And, but the two together, I was just like, oh my goodness, how on earth do you get around that? So let's address first, what's the cause of this deaf blindness?
2: So for Delight, she's what we would call a double Merle. Mm-hmm. Some people would call that a homozygous merle. It means the same thing, but basically it just means that both of her parents were of the merle color, and merle is like a a modeling mm. or, or a um, splotching of color. Yeah, on the it's a very it's a very
0: striking coloration. Isn't? We had red merle. It and and people just were drawn to him so much. It is a very striking, beautiful coloration but it has these implications that not everybody is aware of and and obviously i wasn't until you find out and then you go oh my goodness this is a really bad that combination of Merl merle matings has bad or can have really terrible implications can't it
2: yes it can and and it's totally preventable but the yeah. problem that we have especially here in the united states right now is that Everybody seems to like this Merle color. I like it myself. (laughs) You you choose to to have a Merle also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And every Merle pattern is unique. So you can have a dog that doesn't really look like anyone else's dog, and people like that. But there are so many people now that are breeding designer mixes and things, and they're trying to get this Merle color, but they don't have the knowledge behind the genetics of breeding Merles. Yeah. So what Merle does is it takes the color of a dog's coat and it breaks it up. So that's why when you look at a Merle colored dog, they have white and they have, you know, red or black and they have gray and they have different shades of the color. But when you get two of that, when you double it up, then you get more color taken out. And unfortunately, when puppies are developing, they need pigment. In order for certain parts of their nervous system to develop properly, like vision and hearing. So some puppies are born with either visual or hearing impairments. And in Delight's case, she's completely blind and completely deaf. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yet, I mean, she, she's lovely. You you've just shown her to me and she's lovely. And we'll, we'll put a photo of her on. She's gorgeous, but she's, she's, you are helping her live her best life, aren't you?
2: yes it it really falls to me just just like it does with any of our dogs, because we keep them in our homes and our yards, and we limit their choices, yeah, so we have to provide for that quality of life, and I have to provide a little bit more perhaps to delight than I do to my dogs that can see and hear because she doesn't get the stimulation from seeing things out the window or you know seeing the bird fly by outside when she's in the yard. She doesn't get any of that, so I have to provide enrichment for her and and safety, of course. I have to provide extra management tools in place to to keep her safe. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, one of the the questions I saw on that post was, can you teach a a blind deaf dog their name? I mean, let's get down to the basics. Can you teach them a name?
2: Well, you can, uh, but it may not be the same perspective as me teaching my dog that can hear his name yeah so my dog that can hear his name is Brinks so if I repeat that often he starts to learn hey I'm Brinks you know and it helps to give him his identity if you have a dog that's deaf you can give them a name sign yeah so you can give them a certain uh, sign that you give a certain shape of your hand or movement of your hand that's his name and you can repeat that to him a lot and he will learn his name. So the same thing with a dog that is blind and deaf, I can touch her in a certain way and that becomes her name. Yes. Um, She has a name. She has the name delight because as a human culture, I think a dog's name shapes how you relate to them and how other people relate to them. She's a rather small, white, fluffy puppy. So If I had named her, uh, oh, I don't know, Thor, (laughs) right? People would treat her a little differently than this little white fluffy puppy named Delight.
0: Yes. So it kind
2: of shapes how we treat them and how we raise them. And um, it doesn't really matter to her what I call her. No, no. But if I was calling her Thor when I gave that touch, I think you heard my voice change.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Thor versus Delight. Mm. um so my energy changes and the way i touch her feels different to her and yeah i guess you know. as
0: well it's a reminder to us don't feel sorry for her you know you she's cute she's lovely but you know she's a delight we don't need to sort of oh oh it, it's kind of it stops you that kind of emotion you think oh bless her instead of oh poor thing it's like oh yeah she is lovely it's uh, you know it's a good a good name and it's all context isn't it when we Whatever words we use, I mean, you could teach your dog to sit by saying, you know, masma or door or, you know, it's the context you give gives that word or sign or as you say, hand movement or touch meaning, doesn't it?
2: Yes, that's very true.
0: Yeah. So it's, I guess it's, it's rewarding the behavior they offer in in association with that touch.
2: Right. Right. So for, for delight, I have. I don't have a very specific touch that just means delight, Mm. but I have a touch that means, hey, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm relating to you. Um, this is your time, your turn to have the treat. You know, when my dogs line up to, to take turns with their treats here, this is your turn. And so it's, it's a nice touch under the chin. If she's facing away from me, I might just gently place my hand on her side until she turns around and then. I'll put my mm-hmm. hand on her chin just to just to connect with her the same way I'd connect with my other dog when he's laying next to me. And I say, oh, you know, I love you, Brinks. Or you know,
0: <laughs> Yeah. <whatever. laughs> Aww. And I mean, saying that, um, Delight isn't your first um, double-man or deaf, deaf-blind dog, is she? I mean, you you have a lot of experience with uh, deaf-blind dogs.
2: Yeah, by... My first introduction to double morals and to blind deaf dogs was many, many years ago. Um, and I was working at a kennel for the summer, and there was a blind and deaf all-white collie hmm. there named Lady. And I just kind of thought, I was young, I, I, was, I was still a teenager, and I sort of just thought, oh, this is just a, a fluke. You know, yeah. the poor dog, it was, it was born blind and deaf. They couldn't sell it. So it's growing up here, um, at the breeder's house and she became my buddy. And for the summer, every time I had a break, I went and spent time with her and I taught her how to fetch a ball. Nobody told me you can't teach a blind dog to fetch a ball. <laughs> I taught her to climb steps. I, I taught her just, just things that I wanted to do just to have fun with her and have that, that connection. Yeah. And at the end of the summer, I offered to buy her because I thought, you know, I love her. She loves me. And the breeder would be thrilled that she'd have a good home. And the breeder declined my request and told me that when the dog was old enough, she would have surgery done on her eyes Hmm. so that her eyes would look normal. Not that she'd be able to see, but that her eyes would look normal. Wow. And then she was going to use her for breeding. (gasps) and not only of course was I crushed because yeah. I wanted to take the dog home with me but I I started to realize that this wasn't a fluke there was yeah. something else going on here that would cause this breeder to think that she could you know use her for breeding and why wouldn't this be passed on to all her puppies and so it started me Sort of researching, and back then there was no internet. Mm-hmm. And also, this was happening really frequently, but most of the puppies were being killed at birth. Oh, so it was really hard to find anyone that would talk about it um, and find any information. Yeah, about it. But slowly, I started to you know put bits and pieces together, and it, it just became a passion of mine to help educate people that this was totally preventable. You know, yeah. this isn't just a fluke in this case. There's there's other reasons that dogs are blind or deaf, of course. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, double merls are totally preventable, and unfortunately, here, thirty some years later, <laughs> we still have the problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it affects, as you said, Border Collies. It, it affects, oh it's it's a the merle. It's called dapple in Dachshunds, isn't it? And I think there's a it yes. can affect so, um. French Bulldogs. So it's, it's quite a widespread problem. And it's in some really, really popular, eye-catching, popular on Instagram,
2: breeds, isn't it? Yes. And now it's in, it has shown up in breeds that were not traditionally wow. Merle. Um And there's a whole controversy on that and how the Merle appeared. But also all the popular Doodles mm. and other mixes because people want something that's flashy. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the mural no. color pattern. Um, and it can be bred responsibly. Yeah. It can be bred in a way that does not mate two murals together. And right now, we're really fortunate because um, fairly recently there's co- been genetic testing that has come out that shows the length of the mural allele. So th- that's what causes the variation in color yeah and different lengths of it cause different variations in color and tell you which dog it's safe to breed to and which one may cause this problem yeah yeah so right now there are so many resources out there available to breeders to be able to do this responsibly and not produce more double merls
0: yeah yeah and as ever You know, I I say this time after time, but to me, it seems that if the love of the dogs outweighs the love of the dollar, you know, if the love of the pooch outweighs the love of the pound, however you want to put it, that's when it's done with love and with good intention. As soon as the intention is, I'm going to get money, you know, the good intentions fly out the window and we're exploiting or we can be exploiting dog You know, it's just You've got to do it for the love of the dog, haven't you?
2: So, yes, it, it it does come down to are you just reading to try to sell puppies? Or do you really care about promoting and improving your breed? Yeah. And giving the dogs the best quality of life. I mean, Delight has a wonderful quality of life. But wouldn't it be even better if she could see and hear?
0: Yeah, yeah. Bless her. Yeah,
2: I do, I do love that dogs whatever you know
0: whether they can't see they can't hear they may have a a leg missing whatever it is you know nobody's told them well you should be a bit miserable about this they just go hey great i'm here i'm doing this and they you know they're great inspiration for being the moment and this is the the hand you've been dealt play it as the best you can you know
2: (laughs) yeah she definitely doesn't know any better um she's or any differently she's uh a typical puppy she's a teenager right now she's about seven and a half months old and we go through all the teenagery things just like you know everyone else does with their puppies and she loves to chase things she can't see them but she knows she can sense they're there she can smell them um and she likes to chase things and chew and jump and- and run and bark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how do you safely
0: let her have that, you know, burn that energy off?
2: I have set up my house in my yard to be fairly safe. Yeah. There there are some things that I have to be careful about. Um, if I'm letting her run in an area where there are trees or bushes, I have to be careful that she's not running headfirst into them. So yeah. that might mean that I put her on a harness with a long line so that I can sort of contain her a little bit and steer her away from things because she does, she's young and she does still like run full out. (laughs) So if she ran into a tree, it would probably knock her out. (laughs) So I I need to be careful that way. But, you know, she has a fenced area that she can can run around in. Uh, I do have other dogs. She plays with my other dogs. Uh, The steps are kept kind of blocked off unless I'm helping her on them because she's so tiny then she has to kind of jump on my jump up and down the stairs. So there's things that I put in place to allow her to have as normal and natural of a life as, as possible. I let her make choices whenever I can, whenever it's safe for her to make choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And so tell me about training as well, because I mean, you know, for a lot of us, training is a bit of a challenge anyway, (laughs) but so how how different? I mean, how different is it from a sighted hearing dog, or you know, what rewards you
2: use? How how do you go about training her? It is different, but it's also the same in a lot of ways. So dogs learn through reward; they learn through consistency. Those are things that I can still provide to her. Um, she likes food a lot. Good. She likes toys. She likes, uh, a little game of like chase, chase my hand or chase a toy. She's not too keen on petting when we're in a training situation. And, and many dogs aren't. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: many border collies are.
0: They're like, I mean, work mode now. This is great. Yes. Sometimes like, not right now. I'm working. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. So I respect that. You know, mm, yeah. Um, my communication with her is through touch Yeah. for, for the most part. So as you would give your dog a cue verbally or with a hand signal, I'm just going to give that as a touch cue. So I touch her in different places of her body and in different ways to mean different things. And sometimes those are things like, hey, we're getting in the car now, we're going outside, it's time to eat. I call those information cues. I'm just giving her information about what's going on in her day because she can't see that I'm picking up my keys to go in the car, right? So this kind of just gives her, helps her feel included and gives her something to look forward to. But I also have cues that are asking her to do something. Mm. Sit, come to me, shake hands, you know, all of the fun things that we like to teach our dogs. And I also think that I just communicate with her through my intention and my my touch in general so even if i'm not asking her to do something or telling her something the way i touch her and the way i'm thinking when i touch her i think portrays something differently just like yeah. if you were to touch you know someone's shoulder if you wanted to touch their shoulder and they hey i'm here for you kind of way it would feel very different than if you were touching their shoulder like hey this is urgent i need to interrupt you yeah. now yeah. So yeah. I do think that they can tell the difference.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm just thinking when, when, um, when I had my Labrador buddy, um, he had, um, some mast cell tumors and some things. So if I was just, just fussing him casually and I'd be stroking and I'd feel something and I'd be, he'd be perfectly happy. And I'd be like, Oh, oh, what's that? The minute I switched to, Oh, oh, and I'm like alert and I'm parting out and look, he'd be like, get off what you do. Yeah. He would pick <laughs> up straight away. And the fact yep. that even if I, if, you know, gradually I'd go, I just, I'll still do it with just the one hand and he would still know, mm-mm, you're not just fussing me anymore. You've changed now. <laughs> I don't know how he did it.
2: <laughs> one thing about my blind and deaf dogs is they've taught me so much about dogs and their perceptions and what they notice. My blind and deaf dog who is, let's say, downstairs in the basement level in his puppy pen, and I pull in the driveway, he knows that I'm home. Yeah. He can't hear my car. I haven't even come into the house, so the, the air currents and the smell, nothing. How does he know?
0: Yeah. They're amazing, aren't they?
2: So when I then look at my dog, who can see and hear, There's so much of another world that's opened to me. And I know that he is picking up so much other information that before I wasn't aware of. You know, I thought he was sensing things the way I would sense things through sight and hearing and and touch. But, yeah, there's like this Mm. whole world we don't know anything about. And it's just fascinating.
0: Yeah, oh definitely, definitely. And we're only we only know a tiny tiny part of it and will we ever know all of it? I don't know. I I, I hope MRIs might give us a and and um maybe walking MRIs might give us a good input into that. But That's um,
2: possible.
0: Yeah. yeah, but who knows? <laughs> um so I mean it is is really really interesting. Um as well as your your own dogs, you're a holistic dog trainer. And an animal wellness practitioner, aren't you? So
2: can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I like to look at all aspects of a dog's lifestyle, and that includes the person involved um, and the environment. And I, I do that to find the cause of the behavior. I think a lot of times when we have a behavior in our dogs that we don't like and we mm. want to get rid of, that we just think about training. I have to train him better. I have to train him not to do that. And really, training is only a little tiny part of yeah. the big picture, and if we don't handle the root cause we're we can train until we're you know exhausted and and nothing's going to change. But if we can find that root cause of the behavior and we can meet the dog's need that's related to that, the behavior will just go away yeah, um and so I try to look at things like. What kind of diet is the dog eating? Are they getting enough sleep? Are they getting enough exercise? What is the family like? What are the other animals in the home like? Do they kind of bully each other? Is it harmonious? What about the people? How stressed are they when they come home from work? You know, all these things can affect the dog's behavior. And often we just focus on training and. People come to me and they say, hey, my dog's had this issue for a long time. I've gone to three trainers and nothing's worked. I've tried, you know, all of these different tools and techniques. And often just with a little bit of investigative work, we can find the actual cause of the behavior and what the dog is needing, what they're missing in their life. Yeah. So that's that's how I take an approach to to training and behavior. Yeah. Yeah,
0: excellent, excellent. I always think that when we, we, we switch that part of our brains on when we train and we go, I am training now. I am going to do this. I'm going to teach the dog that. And then we think that will, you know, somehow feed into their whole life and they'll, they will bear this in mind at all times. And then we don't (laughs) bear it in mind at all times. You know, I've done that myself. You go to training class and you're doing whatever it is you're teaching. And then other times you forget all, you know, all those concepts you've been taught and you sort of revert to just, you just say "No, or whatever it is, and you think why why doesn't the dog remember this? Why isn't the dog getting it?" and as you say they those train actually when you think about it those training parts are such a small part a small part of their life you know in time wise they learn all the time, even when we're that part of our brain. you switched off,
2: don't they they're just they're still learning they're always learning, and that that also kind of takes us back to how you started us today and I let my dog let me, tell me when she has a need, yeah. and when she she wants my help. And if I I noticed that she was trying to settle down for a nap, and she would get in the bed and she would lay down, and then she'd get up and she'd shift, and she was just restless. And then she'd get up and pace, and then she'd go back to the bed. And I knew she didn't need to go to go out and go to the bathroom, but she just wasn't finding whatever she needed to feel content. And when she came over to me and she put her her front feet up on my leg, I knew what she was asking. Right. And I just picked her up. And as soon as I got her in my arms, she just let out a sigh and she just relaxed. Yeah. And what harm is that for me to pick her up and hold her for, what, maybe five minutes? Yeah. Let her settle down. Then I put her in the bed. You know, she readjusted once and she took her nap. Yeah. And she doesn't yeah. bug me to be picked up all the time because of that. But yeah. if I hadn't met that need, what would she have gone and done? She yes. would have gone and chewed on my rug, um, you know, maybe tore up uh, you know, some toilet paper or something because I hadn't been paying attention to here here was her need that wasn't met. She needed a nap, yeah. and she wasn't able to settle down. So, yeah. Yeah. And even even if she'd lay there and been you know, Good,
0: in human terms, yeah. Good. How? What would the state of her mind have been? You know, she
2: got what she needed. You yeah, know. I think we all, if if we think about humans, you know, if you have a need that's not being met, you kind of get in a bad mood and yeah, you get grumpy, and you may not even realize what that need is, but you, it certainly affects how you react to other people, how you respond, the choices you make, the behaviors you make you know I know I eat when I get stressed. Yes. <laughs> and I don't make good food choices when I do that. But I'm stressed because I haven't met a need yeah. in myself and you know training trying to train me and say no you will not eat when you're stressed probably would not do much good in the long. <laughs> but helping me find and meet that need so I'm not stressed and I don't feel the need to to eat, you know, to fill that. Yeah. So I think a lot of what we what we know about ourselves we can use with our dogs.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's such a kind way of looking at their life and taking their, you know, needs and um emotions and you know into account. I, I think it's really, really great. I've got one eye on the time, so I'm just gonna ask you, um, where can people find out more about you online?
2: So I have a number of resources, I have some books published, um, but All of those are linked to my website. So if people just go to yourinnerdog.com, they can find links to my resources about blind and deaf dogs, links to my blog, and also information about my holistic um, approach to dog behavior.
0: Yeah, excellent. And I recommend they do. It's been a, it's been a delight. How appropriate. Delight to talk to you. <laughs> and Delight's been very, very good and sat there very, very quiet. So. Uh, yes, she has. So much. Yes, bless.
2: Thank her. you so much for, for bringing this conversation to light because I, I really, I want more people to understand that they can meet their dog's needs and they can comfort them and they can communicate with them without having to worry about their dog taking over the world or, being the boss or, or anything like that. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you, Deb. Cheers. Deb is certainly helping her dogs live their best life. But wouldn't be better if we, we as a species, didn't create dogs who are put at such a disadvantage. Thank goodness for people like Deb who follow their heart and give these dogs the support they need. We have the links you need to find out more about Deb and her gorgeous dogs on the Dogcast Radio site, dogcastradio.com. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. We have a treat now because I'm going to talk to Susanna Chalmers, who is part of the UK Paragility team. She and her Papillon, yes, Papillon, will be heading to the Netherlands to compete with other national teams in the Paragility World Championships later this year. I love this story because there are so many positive aspects to it. So, without further ado, here's Susanna.
1: Hi, Susanna. How are you? Hi, Julie. I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. And how's Aaron? Yeah, Aaron's very good. Yeah, he's been quite well behaved today, which is amazing because apart from being brilliant, he's also incredibly naughty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like a naughty dog, though. I like. So a dog do I. Opinions. So do I. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who wants easy and and boring, you know, I like a dog that you know you've got kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Yes, you you certainly know you've got Aaron. He makes his presence
0: very, very clearly known. (laughs) Now, is it still the case, because the last time I interviewed you, you couldn't wear a hairband in your hair if if Aaron was around? Still the case. Still (laughs) the case. It drives me insane because it doesn't matter
1: where I am. I thought at one time it was just something that he did on an evening, you know, for a bit of fun. Yeah. But literally, if I'm at a show and he manages to get onto the seat next to me, he'll jump up my back and pull it out.
0: <laughs> oh, I love him. I love him. I can't wait to meet him. So <laughs> I love naughty. the sound of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, I think sometimes it's that naughtiness that... Is the spark of something really special, and I've seen it in children, Definitely. and it's—I I think it's true with dogs that that Definitely. that sort of um, that energy or creativity or whatever it is that makes them veer away from what we sometimes want them to do gives them that that spark. And Aaron's certainly got that. I mean, he's—he is brilliant at agility, isn't
1: he? He's phenomenal. I mean, he's to be honest, he's—he's he's phenomenal at whatever he does. Um, showing, yeah, he was great until he found it so boring that it just didn't <laughs> light his fire anymore. Um, he's acted, of course. He's been, we're waiting for this, this series for the BBC to be launched, which should be sort of any time soon. Um, he's, done, he's done so many, so many different things, obviously trick training. He's done some parkour. He's done agility, obedience. He's done all his good citizen. And he's quite incredible because you show him something and think, well, I'll, that, that'll that be my training plan for the week. And literally within half an hour, I'm thinking, well, that's that box ticked. I have to move on to something else. It <laughs> picks up things
0: very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, with all these achievements and this cleverness, we're talking about a sort of a border collie that's three or four years old, surely, aren't we? No, this is a papillon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a papillon. to a fly dog. Yes. Apparently a, a, a sort of... Dainty lapdog. Well, for a start, that's where the mould sort of broke with Aaron, um, because he grew to enormous proportions. Um, he's well over height for his breed. Yeah, he's well overweight for his breed. Um, Me too. <laughs> and for, for agility, he's just scraped the sort of the small um, height measurement, yeah. um, which is I don't know of any of the Papions that are the size of Aaron. He's he's a monster. Um, which gives him a huge advantage. Yes, because with his weight ratio, he can tip the seesaw far easier than a very very light dog. He's very worky. I've, I've never had a border collie, but he's made me want a border collie <laughs> because he he's he's just like a he just relishes any work. Whatever yes. you want to do with him, he's always ready to go and do it yeah yeah um, it, i think he's a bit like bruce lee I, I don't think he sleeps at night i don't I, I really don't know when he has time to do that because he's always on the go
0: yeah yeah it's it's funny you say that we have a german spitz mischief who's yeah she has papillon in no she has um pomeranian in her past. yeah that's right yeah but she is far closer to the border collie we had than she is to the labrador or the bichon Frise because she's like what should we do now? What should we do now? I mean, she yeah. loves people, she's very friendly, but she does have that working De- work, nature yes. and that intelligence. Yes. yes, definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's the same. I mean, he, he even has quite collie characteristics, you know, whereby he'll sort of crouch down on his front legs and mm. sort of be poised ready to to do something. Um, of course we haven't got any sheep here, so I'm not <laughs> trying not to see if he's got any talent in that department, but Yes, I love that intelligence level. I must admit that for me is, is is the greatest thing with any dog. You know, I mean, they're all lovely in their own ways. But the intelligence that you can train a dog to understand left and right, to stop, start. Um, he'll do lots of things it, on on one command, you know, on, on yeah. one of command. He's very, very, very bright. Even yes. my trainer, who, who at the moment is, is training five dogs, runs five dogs at the top level, on Team GB, said he's incredibly intelligent. Yeah. So it's not just my imagination, he really is. You yeah. Know? Amazing.
0: Um, no, saying that, that he's intelligent and, and he, he's doing well and you're doing well as a team, you've just been selected to join the UK team to compete in the Paragility World Championships, haven't you? That's right, yes. That's amazing. Congratulations. We're over the moon.
1: Yes, we're wow. absolutely over the moon. I mean, it, it was quite funny because... He just started his agility career last August. Yeah, Um, and I was offered a place on the team with Marsha with my other dog. Yes, who's a pug? Who's a pug? is a pug? pug? Yes, so another yeah, another not really sort of (laughs) specific agility breed. Um, And had it not been for COVID and what have you, we would have gone. But then two years sort of fast forward, she's a lot older. Obviously not as fit as she was. And she is a pug, which means they're not traditionally built for agility. So I I said no. And the question was was raised at the time. um, Would I like to possibly apply to go on the team with Aaron? And I discussed it with my trainers and we both thought, no, he really needs a good year of experience before we do that, because it's very hectic, Mm. very noisy. You know, you've got countries competing from all over the world. Um, so he may have got a bit of stage fright. I doubt it, knowing his character. But we thought, no, no, we'll we'll just wait a year. So I kind of got it in the back of my mind that I'd like to apply again. So I applied again in just after Christmas, and um, it went off for approval. I was approved, and we were selected. So we, we were selected just after Christmas. Um, so we've been very busy since then, sort of um, competing, practicing. Um, he's gone from starting at grade two last August to one win off grade six. So and grade seven is the highest that you can compete at. So wow. for his age, and he's only just over two, um, he's how old is he? Twenty four. 27 months old. Wow. So he's still very relatively young. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yes, he's he's just picked it up very very quickly, and uh, I'm hoping that he's going to really enjoy the experience. I'm sure he will because he's a bit of a showman, so he won't really be phased by you know the the atmosphere and what have you. Yeah. And hopefully we make a podium position. You never know. That'd be really cool. I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> <laughs> it would be wonderful. Well, that's the plan, Julie. Yeah, um, yeah. So yes, we, we we we'll just wait and see. Yeah. But obviously, there are other com- competitors from all over the world, and how they how they arrange it with power agility is you, there are seven different categories. Um, it's actually incredible. It's very inspiring because in one of the categories, you've got people that compete in wheelchairs mm-hmm. with agility mm-hmm. dogs. Wow. Some that, that compete in. Um, you know, the, the chairs, the, the motorized chairs that you yes. some that use sticks. And then it just depends on where your your medical condition is as to which category you're put into. With me with suffering from arthritis at the moment is it's very well in remission and very controlled with drugs. So I have the odd days when the pain is quite bad. Um, but on the whole, I can sort of still compete and I can sort of get around. It just means that some of the time, some of the turns that I may need to do and what have you are just not as quick as able-bodied sportsmen. Um, But as I say, he's learned very quickly to pick up on my verbal commands,
0: which is really good because that's what you you need to be able to do.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yes. It's not just running around. It's not speed. It's well, no, no, it is speed, isn't it? But it's the communication. I didn't realize until I tried some agility how how much of a mental workout it is because you've got to, for the for the handler certainly because you've got to remember the, the course and you've got to remember all your cues and there's all sort of if you're, you're on this way it pulls them away and if, if you yes. on this way it turns, it's so technical it's exhausting isn't it it's so technical and of course the the higher grade you go
1: up it, the harder the courses become yeah. um, and always I mean we normally do three or four a day depending on what show we go to but those will be three or four completely different courses. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to remember four different courses if you're running yeah. four. Yeah. Um, and as you say, yes, you know, when I'm walking it, I'm I'm saying out loud, left, right, you know, <laughs> different commands that I use. Because and most of the time that works. But sometimes you can be thinking to say right and you actually say left or something, which is just, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. where it always
1: goes wrong it's never the dog it's always the handler that goes wrong really
0: yeah well ha- having to do it at that speed and under that pressure yes it's yes. you know it does it, it asks. it's a big ask isn't it of, of both it handler is, and dog. yeah yeah. It, yeah it's i think I, I love it because you really do have to be a good team with your dog so you've got to give the right commands the dog's got to be looking to you for those commands you know to, as to where to go it's yes. really you've got to When you, it's teamwork, it's, you've got to be friends and mates and colleagues, haven't you
1: really? You do. You, you, you really, really do. And there's got to be a lot of trust involved as well, because some of the equipment, you know, especially for young dogs can be quite scary. And not only that, some of the show situations can be quite terrifying. And you, you get many that, that never really make the grade because they find the whole show situation just too overwhelming. Um,
0: but yes, I've, I've been lucky with Aaron. He's, he's never really had that problem. No, no. I he's mean, you. Crazy. You sorry. You you have been lucky with him. You you're right. He's. You can only work with what you've got. But to be yeah. fair, you've given him a really good grounding, haven't you? You've taken him to shows, made sure he's yes. comfortable. You've you've put yes. the work in. I put the work in, and, the, and with his showing career, there was
1: method in that madness. Because once again, it's it wouldn't be my favourite. Uh, I'm going to say sport. It's not a sport, is it? It wouldn't be my favourite dog activity at yeah. all. But the reason I did it and I, literally I did it at six months and one day when he was able to compete was to take him to the big championship shows to get him used to them from a very early age to being in, in a busy environment with lots of other dogs. And that's what we did. And that grounding, I believe, really sort of concreted the fact that he's got nothing to worry about because his only issue when he was young, up until he was about one, was he was terribly car sick. Oh, bless him. So it made it not particularly pleasant going anywhere. Um, But in his sort of true character, the one day I think he just decided, that's it, I've had enough of that. And (laughs) and seemed to sort it out because I've got all sorts of different potions to try. Yeah. Uh, But we didn't go down that route, Aaron sort of fixed the issue himself.
0: (laughs) Oh, bless him. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like him. I've had enough of this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, in the showing world, he shouldn't have done well. He was—he's too big, isn't he? Correct. And, uh, and yet, yet again, he triumphed. He did. But the, the, you know what? The, the more I, I sort of went
1: into showing the, the 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 more I sort of figured out how things work. And a good friend of mine, who's who's got prolific many many champions, who breeds papillons, said to me, "Yes, he is too big, but he's incredibly well bred and he's beautifully put together." And and I think there are sort of leniences that that they will sort of allow in the show ring, mm. and so for example, you um, you will get papions that maybe Aaron would place above that maybe the correct size, but have got varying different to the problems, you know, undershot yes, jaws yes. or or you know, sort of not particularly straight legs or their tail set isn't quite right or the coat is not good enough so he would score points I think for the other things which uh, apart from the fact that he is too big he is perfect in every way yeah perfectly imperfect
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean exactly because when I showed Buddy it was only for fun and something to write about but he was like perfect but too small. So we had the opposite problem. Oh, so you had the opposite. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. I know. Can't, you can't get it right. But I mean, it was. No, yeah, no, fine. you can't. He's, but
1: luckily, I mean, in, in a way, I'm quite glad that that did happen because I could see as he sort of from one year old onwards, how it really wasn't sort of floating his boat. Mm. And, um, I'm glad that he, he decided himself, well, we're, we're not going to do this forever, you know, and we didn't because of the, of the reason that he's too big, but. It, it's it, in a way, it's quite good that I, I don't have to keep doing that with him. Now we yeah. did cross for the this year just gone, and um, he was placed, and that was it. That was all I wanted to achieve with him. Yeah. So. So we're, do- we're done with that now. You yeah, know? there'll be no more showing at Crufts now. I might go <laughs> shopping next year for a change because I've never done that yet.
0: Oh, oh, you must. Yeah, you've yeah, never done that yet. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting just wandering around, and you, and you get to meet so many dogs as well. Well, you know that. That's, don't you, that's but, right. Yes. Yeah, we, we might we might sort of maybe help out on Discover Dogs or
1: something like that, which would be yeah. quite good because hopefully by that time. He'll be even more accomplished than he is now. So it would be good to be able to speak to him, people, and maybe
0: inspire them as to, you know, how well he's done. Yeah. You'll need minders by then. He'll be that famous. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it it is amazing because you're going to go and compete in, um, it's August, isn't it, in the Netherlands.
1: Helen Dawn in the Netherlands, yes. Yep,
0: great. And you'll be yes. competing against teams from Italy, Austria, Belgium, Czech Republic, Finland, France, Germany, Hungary, the Netherlands, Spain, and Switzerland. So I mean, my goodness, I mean, the the creme de la creme will be there, won't they?
1: Oh, apparently, it, it's it's an unmissable uh, sort of experience. It's an incredible experience. Um, I mean, it's ran a bit like the Olympics. You you we we leave here on the Tuesday. And, uh, we arrived there Tuesday, late Tuesday afternoon. Cause it's not that far, which is good. Wednesday is vet day and practice day. Thursday is they have an opening ceremonies day. So it's, it's just like the Olympics. You know, yeah. all the teams are paraded, all the dogs, gifts are, are exchanged between countries and things. And then the competition is Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So the, the UK team have booked. Um, the hotel that's that's very close to the venue I think it's only a few meters away um, but we've already filled the 28 rooms that we booked there and Mm. I think now they're looking at booking some other form of accommodation because ours will be the largest UK team that's ever been wow it will be the largest one so that's incredible you know Mm. there's so many people have been inspired by people competing in it and and now we, we've got, we're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Normally it's the Italians, I think have the, the largest contingent,
0: oh. but
1: this year, the UK, yeah, I've got a, a, an amazing team.
0: Yeah. So Indeed. excellent. Super. It'll be in, great for in, yeah. in the year of the coronation. Yeah. And go and do it for King and country. Yes. <laughs> that, that's really good. Aaron's got his little
1: union jack coat and he's got a union jack collar. <laughs> uh, so yes. And I'm waiting for the the UK kit and what have you to come. So, We'll be all kitted out, which will be great.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Now, to get there, you're self-funding, aren't you? Yes. Like like a lot of the events, I think
1: that's that's the way it is these days. Um, It's yeah, it's not cheap. Um, It's not cheap to get there. It's not cheap to actually be able to get there, you know, with the cost of accommodation, transport, um, and I mean, the health certificate that you the, at one time you could have a pet passport. Hmm. But now it's a health certificate for every time you go overseas. Wow. And I, when I asked inquired at my vets a few weeks ago, 250 pounds for the health certificate. Wow. Plus the rabies vaccination, which he's had already. that was over 100 pounds. Mm. So that's before you even get there.
0: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: so yes, it's 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 not it's not it's not cheap to get there.
0: No, no. So you are looking for sponsorship, aren't you?
1: I am, yes. I've had a couple actually come on board already, which is great. Um I've had um a company called Nonstop Dogwear hmm. from Finland who have donated um some merchandise for Aaron and I, which will be lovely. Brilliant. So either we, we will maybe sort of have an auction or something and or, or else Aaron might, might wear it I'll have to ask him what he wants to do yes excellent many <laughs> um, possibilities I've opened a GoFundMe page as well yeah and um yes that's that's sort of slowly creeping up bit by bit you yeah. have to raise about a thousand pounds really but at the, at this stage, any help would be great.
0: Yes. Yeah. We'll put the link in. And as you say, every little helps. So yes. anything, any contribution would help. would yes. And see you go yes. there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it'd be lovely. And I, I think. I love the story because you you're not do, just doing an activity, whether the dog likes it or not, you've let Aaron, you know, find his forte. He loves it. You know, his tail is wagging, he's happy, you're happy, you've, you've overcome, both of you have overcome obstacles in the way. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's such a positive, positive story. I absolutely love it. And the fact that it's not a, a breed that you would, um, traditionally associate with agility, you know, or, or dog sport in general, I think that's the thing another thing that i mean we, we've we had a bichon freeze we've this is the haven't. second one julie that i've had that you don't really associate. exactly but i love it i love it because i was gonna say we've had a bichon freeze who a fluffy little dog you know often, yeah. and they're boofed up in the show world and and now we've got um mischief who's a, a gemma spitz and often these are dogs that you know it drives me mad when when i hate articles that say here are the top 10 dogs to get if you don't want to take them for a walk or if you don't want to exercise them and you go yeah no yeah. no no all dogs are dogs. They yeah, all yeah. need. They have those and I needs. don't
1: think that you can you can just put them in, in a category box like that as well. No, no. There are the exceptions to the rule. Yes. You know, for example, me with my pugs. But if I listened to before I started working Marsha, most people, well, they're, they're happy to sit on your lap or no, not really. Marsha likes being a real dog. Yes. You know, she yeah. likes to go. She likes to work. She likes to go on walks um she likes to learn she's she's also incredibly clever yes and don't think that you can sort of categorize one breed and say well that's the only thing that dog can do yes not true no i also believe as you said that you have to you have to nurture and see where they excel and what they want to do. Yes. I would never make any of mine do anything they
0: didn't want to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as well, I mean you're you've been brilliant and you, you're inspirational in, in competing and showing people, you know, raising the, the awareness and raising the pro raising the profile of breeds and dogs and, and sports and I think that's brilliant. But if people don't compete, you know I, I'm never going to compete at, at a, a level like that. But if you, I always thought, I always, and we all must find our own path, but I, for me, I always thought competing gives me one chance to fail. That was my experience. You're winning, <laughs> but training. Yeah, but I, but I get that. You know, I mean, training gives you many chances to, to, to win, to get there, to get it right. And, and it's that, it's for me, it's all about what you've got, that relationship with your dog. Yeah. I think, you know,
1: I, I mean, historically, I, I, I've, a, I've got a horsey background and I mm. trained and rode for years and what have you. So I've always had that kind of thing whereby I'm I'm not a happy. I was never a happy hacker. You know, I don't like just particularly poddling around. Yeah. I am very goal driven, I think, in anything that I've done. Mm. So I do like to try and, and have a goal of what I'm aiming for. Um, but as I say, with the dogs, it's been it's been very much. Whether they wanted to do that or not, yes. Um, and I think you have to just you have to just wait and see. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's got, in fact, a similar dog to Miss Chief. She's got a Japanese Spitz. Yeah, yeah. Which is white and fluffy, and she's beautiful. Anyway, so she's had she's about one now. Uh, wanted to do agility with her, but just found out that she's got luxating patella, so um. that probably is not a good idea. And she's absolutely gutted and I said to her, you know what? There's lots of other things you can do. Yes. There's lots of other things. There's Hoopers, which is low impact. The scent work. Aaron would absolutely love to do scent work. I mean yeah. he's incredibly good at sniffing out things. We're going to have um something starting, I think it's I think it's quite a new thing, but I do think it started I believe you heard of it called Barn Hunt. No, no in the no. UK. Hmm. It's basically like a big straw barn and what have you and they hide these sort of little traps and fluffy toys and what have you and the dogs have to find them out i mean they go mad for it i bet you know? oh that
0: sounds delightful and i really
1: but like it, that yeah there's man trailing that's another thing yes. that a lot of people do is man is scent work there's don't forget don't forget parkour Tell us about this parkour. Parkour. <laughs> parkour, maybe. I mean, Marsha and I did quite extreme parkour, but there are, there are, that the, are not too sort of impacting on the dog. Mm, mm. um, there's lots of things you can do. I mean, we did, Aaron and I did our good citizen. I, I sort of poo pooed it a bit to start with. Oh, obedience. No, I'm not sure about obedience. I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Because yeah. it isn't really obedience, it, it it teaches them what they need to do on a day to day basis. Yes
0: yeah yeah i love the car manners i love the car manners. amazing how many dogs no one trains that no no how many dogs get into trouble because you open the boot bang they're gone you know it's it's and no one
1: trains that even if you go to a dog trainer uh, as part of your obedience or your puppy training i've not seen one that said let's see how you get your dog in and out of the car it's the brilliant it's it's such a good part of it that's yeah
0: yeah i love that Um, as you say
1: it's everyday skills Everyday skills, yeah. opening a gate, waiting patiently while you open a gate, not tripping you over to get through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lots
1: of things. So so we've done other, other things that I never thought that I would do. Yeah. Um, and that's what I would say to anybody. You know, you don't have to do. Oh, And if you do agility, we've got lots at our club that just do fun agility. Yes. Just yeah. for fun, yeah. not to compete or anything else. I mean, I I suppose I just like the buzz of competing, which I do. Yeah. I've always done it. I've always done it with the horses. So, uh, but yes, if if I'd started with Aaron and and I couldn't see that we were ever going to really get anywhere, I would have done something else. Yes. Yeah. I'd have tried something
0: else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I think that's great though, because dogs like to be active. You know, they do. You, as you say, Marsha is your your pug is is a prime example of that. She she could have gone to a house where a home where you know she'd just be allowed to lie on the sofa and vegetate and yeah, you know. But d- dogs like to do things to be active and to do you work. They need stimulation
1: their and they yes. do need stimulation. I mean, you know, I'm it's hard work. I mean, I sort of I'm up most mornings. Well, Poppy makes sure one of my other pugs that I'm up by five thirty. Yeah. so I'm yeah. up. And I walk them straight away as soon as I get up and take them out. We're lucky because we have fields all around. So off I go, come back, they have breakfast. I then do some whatever I'm doing in the morning. Around one o'clock, I'll take them out again. And around four o'clock, I'll take them out again. So they get lots of lots of exercise and lots of stimulation, you know, because they want to go sniffing when you take them for a walk. And then during that time, during the day, I'll spend Sometimes 10 minutes training Aaron, sometimes five minutes. It depends what I'm training. Yes. But I'll always do a little bit with him at home. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where his skills became so sort of so sort of good. And, and, and his foundations, because during lockdown, none of my trainers were offering training. No, So I, I had to sort, sort out my own training packages and do it myself. And that's what I did. Yeah. And he was yeah. my, my project, I suppose, during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, yeah, his skills are amazing. He's got yeah. really amazing skills. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tell us about all your dogs, so, so none of them are missed out. None, you know, they're all included. Oh, right, okay. Then, right, well, <laughs> let's start with the oldest
1: then. So when I moved back to Zamb- to, to the UK from Zambia in 2010, mm. I'd been living in Zambia for 18 years. Mm. And um, when I moved back in 2010... I bought with me two of my dogs. In fact, um, the other, the others were guard dogs that stayed with the farm when I sold the farm. But the ones I bought back were a Pomeranian called Pablo yeah. and another pug called Lily. Uh, sadly Lily passed away some years ago, but oh. Pablo in July, uh, is coming up to his 18th birthday. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, hopefully happy birthday, Pablo. Wow. And he's absolutely fine. And he's a Pomeranian.
0: Yeah. Oh, bless
1: him. He's gorgeous. They're all amazing. Sure, he's lovely. amazing. Yeah. And then next to next we go to uh, Poppy, who's my oldest pug, who'll be 12 this year. She came from a puppy farm when I helped out with the rescue. Oh, um, and it's just been kept in a shed, really, and bred with until I took her on. Um, and she had lots of issues. Mostly psychological, you know, not physical. Um, but I did a bit of agility with her. She still enjoys it a bit now and again. It's a very sort of basic level, but she loves it. And then there's Isaac and Isaac is will be 10 this year.
0: Hmm. He's another
1: pug. He was an ex breeding, um, dog again, Thaya yeah. that had never been in a house until he was five years old. Wow. So, and my partner David, um, it took David, I would say, probably a good six months to be able to actually put a harness on to him because he would just freeze on the floor. Oh, he was so scared. Less. So there's him. And then there's the famous or infamous Marsha, I should say, who's <laughs> <laughs> just been nine now. Um, and I had Marsha when she was just over a year old and owned by a lovely family. But that really had four children couldn't cope with her because she is pretty full on. Yes. Once again, she came into rescue and I took her on from the rescue and did lots with her. Um, and then we've got Aaron and I, I think because Marsha had been so incredible, I didn't, I, I couldn't even think about getting another pug after Marsha, which is a strange thing.
0: I know it mean. I know Do you, you know.
1: Did you feel a bit like that after Buddy?
0: Yeah. I could, I certainly couldn't have another Black Labrador. No, I could. I'd have to have a different color. But yes, yeah. that was that was them. And that was.
1: Yeah. And that was yeah. her time. And so I thought I looked around and I spoke to my trainer and that, what dogs to go for. And um so I thought, oh, let me have a look. She's a little papillon, like a little collie, really. So I thought, oh, OK. And I read up a lot about them. I went to some breeders and I had a look at them and liked them, but felt that they were slightly a bit too dainty and a bit fragile for what I wanted. And then Aaron came along. <laughs> who wasn't any of those. So, oh, but blessing. he came to me when he was five months old because the breeder, um, he was bred in Scotland and then went down to a friend of mine who's also a breeder who was going to have him as their next stud dog mm-hmm. to bring in a new line, but and show, but he grew too big.
0: Yeah. So,
1: and I knew him. I knew yeah. him.
0: You loved for, him, didn't you, from oh, the start?
1: From the start. I knew, I just knew he was so funny. Uh, even now, there isn't a day goes by when, it, I don't laugh at him. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's a an clown. And, um, yes. So from, from the get go, I was Oh, Aaron's the one I went. No, you can't have Aaron. And then the one day so she rang me and said, if you can come over and we'll measure him, um, I might have something up my sleeve. So Winston measured him, told her, and she went, would you like him? Oh, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> and the rest is history. But once oh. again with Aaron, I, I've been looking probably for the last six months now to, to, to get another Papillon. Hmm. And I've seen several and um, I even had one here for two days. And once again, mm they don't, I don't think they compare to him in any way. Mm-hmm. I think he is quite a one off, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. Not only in his appearance, in his characteristics, in his personality, he's quite different. And um, so I've been a bit like, mm, no. So I'm not going down that route now. Oh, no. And maybe Aaron is still entire. So maybe in, in a couple of years' time, if I found a suitable wife for him. I could possibly have a litter and, and maybe have a puppy from the litter from Aaron because, I mean, with Aaron's line, he was the very last of his of his father. There mm. are no more, so his line would stop with him. Oh, wow! Well, um, yeah. So, yeah, it might be quite nice to for him to have a son.
0: <laughs> son about <laughs> sometime
1: in the future.
0: Oh yes, yeah. Well, who who knows what he's going to go on to do then? Found a dynasty.
1: <laughs> who knows? Yes. I mean, at the moment, I mean, thankfully. I haven't neutered him because Aaron prefers to eat a carrot or play with his toy than be interested in any of the dogs. (laughs) Yeah. He's totally not interested. Oh, bless him.
0: Yeah. We are definitely team Aaron here at Dogcast Radio. And we wish Susanna and Aaron and all of the UK team the best of luck. All the links you need, including the GoFundMe page to help support Susanna and Aaron's dreams, are on the Dogcast Radio website, dogcastradio.com. That's it for this time. Until next time, look after yourselves. Radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way, we can include them directly in our program. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. It's not Jenny, it's me, Julie, again. I have a few jokes about unemployed dogs, but none of them work.